Would you turn in the Bible to Hebrews, the sixth chapter this evening? If you didn't bring a Bible with you, hold up your hand. Our ushers have extra Bibles. We'd be glad to let you use one of ours. Make the effort. Find the place in the Bible where it's written. Let your eyes rest upon it. Just gets in you better that way. Hebrews 6. We've been looking at this for some weeks now, a few weeks. A series we're calling Diligence. Hebrews 6 and the 10th verse says, For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love. He's not going to forget what? Your work and your labor. Somebody say work. Are we supposed to be working? Yes, we are. He's not unrighteous to forget your work and your labor of love, which you have showed toward his name in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. Now, the work, the labor that's going to mean the most and last the longest and please the Lord the best and and, uh, you get the most reward for is work that you did that helped people. Work that you did that helped God's people ministering to the saints. He said, you've done it and you're still doing it. And we desire that every one of you, see, he's talking about a group of people that's doing this. Now he's speaking to anybody else that might hear this word. We desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope to the end that you be not slothful. Turn, look at your neighbor, say, don't be slothful. Don't be slothful. What does that mean? Well, one translation says, don't be dull and lazy. We would probably use the word lazy today. And that word lazy has a very negative connotation with it, of course. And it's rare that you would uh, hear somebody admit and say, I'm lazy. And the truth is, you have been lazy. And I have been lazy. Now, not everybody's agreeing with that. <laughs> it's just a fact. You may work like a house of fire in one area, but in another area have been lazy. You may have been diligent in this and this and this and this and this and this. But in this and this, you have been lazy. So this word, this teaching does not just apply to three or four people that's not even here. Because they were too lazy to get up and come. (laughs) Now this word applies to what do you say? Every, do you see it? Every one of you. He said I want every one of you. To show the same diligence. To the full assurance of hope to the end. That you, who? You refers back to verse 11. Every one of you. That every one of you. Be not slothful, don't be slothful, but every one of you be followers of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Now here he talks about who you follow. What if you follow and hang with and fellowship with lazy folks? (laughs) Then that's how you're going to be. 
Because if you weren't that way, you couldn't stay with them. (laughs) They just bother you too much. Oh, y'all help me out now. Huh? I don't know how many parents, how many parents I have heard tell me, well, you know, their kid's in trouble. And they said, well, you know, boy, they're a good kid. They just fell in with the wrong crowd for the last three school years. No, honey, they are the wrong crowd. Or else they wouldn't have stayed with that crowd. Are you with me now? (laughs) I don't win you too many points, but... Everybody wants to think, well, no, no, it's just, I mean, we, we're in the middle of that, but that's not us. And that's what we keep going back to, but that's not us. No, if that's what you like to hang around and that's what you stay with, that's what you are. Are you with me now? And so if you want to change, change what you run with. Hmm? People like to think that they won't be affected by who they spend a lot of time with, but that's just wishful thinking. You spend a lot of time with people, good or bad, it is rubbing off on you. It is going to affect you. And so if you're smart, what the Bible says, he that walks with wise men shall be wise himself. The Bible says evil communications corrupt Good manners. There's a corrupting effect that it has on you. At first it bothers you. And then it don't bother you so much. And then you think you'll try it too. And then you get where you like it. Are you listening? And that you're not just visiting the bunch. You are the bunch. We are changing every day. Aren't we? You are changing. I'm changing every day. We'll change some more next week. The Lord tarries is coming. We'll be different than we are now. Now what we'd like to be is better. Right? Better, more like Jesus. But you're not going to be more like Jesus hanging around sin. And hanging around lazy folks that don't care. And running with people that... You know, their main word is whatever. That's not what you want to be. You want to be around people. And this is one reason that I, you know, Phyllis and I go to other meetings sometimes and conferences. I like to be around people that have bigger vision than I have. People that are doing more than I am. I like to get around people and things where that after a few days I'm so stirred up. I want to go back and do twice and three times and ten times what I'm doing. Now when you do that, you know you went to the right place. (laughs) And that's how church ought to be. Come to church. You got good pastors and good leaders. They're not just going to tell you you find where you are and you can cool off some. They're going to tell you, oh, that's good, that's good. But come on. Come on, let's do more. Let's believe bigger. Let's reach bigger. Well, when are we going to reach where we can rest and quit? When you leave here. You rest when you leave here. Till then you work. 
How many remember reading in Revelation, he talked about the saints that had died and gone on, and he said they rest from their labors, and their works do follow them. Well, that's only then. All the way up till you breathe your last, you're supposed to be working, 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 working. And I got ten people that's excited about that. Working. Somebody say working. Working is not a bad thing. It ain't fun to sit around and do nothing and get nothing done. It doesn't make you feel good about yourself. How many know you can enjoy work? Work can be satisfying. Work can be fulfilling. Can't it? And if it's not, then you're either doing the wrong thing or you're not doing it right. Huh? Either trying to do something you shouldn't be doing or you're not doing the right thing diligently. Look at Romans real quickly, please. Go over to Romans, the 12th chapter. Romans 12, verse 11 is this word again. What does it say? Not slothful in business. Now, you know, it is okay that we do something besides pray in tongues and quote scriptures during the week. Let me say that again. It's okay that we do other things other than speaking in tongues and quoting scriptures during the week. We got business to take care of, don't we? Business. And there's a whole lot of natural stuff that goes with living a spiritual life. And the most spiritual people have it together with their natural stuff. And people who everything just is let go and everything is a mess and everything's behind because they don't have time to do anything because they're too busy praying and reading the Bible. Because they're too spiritual or not. It's phony. It's fake. Did you hear me? People who really are spiritual, who really are godly, they're sharp. They're diligent. They're workers. Hmm? It's a fact. I, uh, Phyllis and I had the privilege of helping, uh, Brother Kenneth Hagin and Miss Aretha Hagin, who are both in heaven now for 20 plus years. And uh, I was worked close with him for year after year, and I consider him to be quite spiritual. <laughs> I mean, the man could quote two-thirds of the New Testament out of his spirit. Very spiritual. Praying, praying man. Poof. But their natural stuff was right. I mean, everything had its place. There was a right way to slice an orange and a wrong way. Are y'all with me? The bags all went in a certain place and a certain sequence to pack and a certain sequence to unpack. And this went on the right side of the room, not the left. Are y'all with me? And you got the three ounce can, not the six ounce. How many understand there's a right way and a wrong way to do everything? 
and sloppiness and laxness and slothfulness has got nothing to do with being spiritual. And people who act like, you know, people who act like they're too busy being spiritual to take care of their kids, to take care of their house, to take care of their spouse, to take care of their business are deceived. It is a lie. It is not true. They're using it as an excuse to yield to their flesh and not do it. It's not for you to judge anybody or me to judge them. Judge who? Judge yourself. Let's judge ourselves on these things and see to it that we're not using so-called spiritual things as an excuse to be lazy. The Bible, which is as spiritual as it gets, says work, says be diligent, says don't be slothful, don't be lazy, doesn't it? Are we reading the Bible? Not slothful in business, but what? Fervent. Somebody say fervent. Fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Somebody say fervent. Fervent means white hot. (laughs) On fire. Ready. Tell me some definitions of diligence. Anybody that's been here before tonight. Doesn't this sound similar to those definitions? Fervent. One of the words for uh, diligent was what? Vehement. Which has to do with intense. (laughs) Passionate. What was another word? Speedily or promptly. Early. At dawn was one definition, wasn't it? To dawn. To do it at dawn. To do it as early as you can. Diligent. Diligent. Not slothful. Not lazy. Not dull and lazy. Now we've talked about several things already. But I want to get into something tonight that I think will stir you up. Are you ready to be stirred up some more about it? Turn with me please. To the book of uh, Second Thessalonians. Well, now I'm moving a little bit too fast. Stop by 1 Thessalonians on your way. Because these two letters are written to the church. They're written to us. And they deal quite a bit with this subject. 1 Thessalonians and 2. Is this New Testament? This is written to us, right? To believers. 1 Thessalonians 2.9, he said, Remember, brethren, our labor and travail. Was Paul a worker? For laboring night and day. Because we would not be chargeable unto any of you. We preached to you the gospel of God. You know, faith people and diligent people are not okay with somebody having to take care of me. Hmm? Having to ride on somebody else. Now, if somebody wants to sow something to you, that's an entirely different thing. But that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about somebody else has got to pay for your stuff. 
and somebody else has got to feed you. They don't really want to. But you don't have it and you need it. And so they're doing it. You ought never want somebody to do something for you that they're not wanting to sow. And that you're dependent on them and relying on them. Somebody says, well, I don't want it to be that way, but that's just how it has been. Well, is it because you have not been diligent? Is that an issue? Well, it really got quiet then. (laughs) You want to look back over your life and see, did I pass opportunities I should have taken? Did I, why don't I have a job? Did I have a job? Why don't I still have that job? If I controlled my temper and kept my mouth shut, would I still be getting a paycheck? Why is somebody having to take care of me? Because I can't follow orders? Because I won't listen to anybody? Are y'all with me now? There are, people haven't wanted to look at these things, but there are reasons why people just Keep on, keep on, keep on floundering year after year after year. There are reasons why. God is no respecter of persons. If he blessed me, he'll bless you. If he blessed somebody else you know, gave them their own business and prospered them and made them rich, he'll do the same thing for you. And don't you say he won't. Don't you say it might not be his will. That's believing a lie. And a lot of folk would rather believe that than believe the truth. That the reason I don't have and not where they are is because I haven't been unwilling to apply myself and be as diligent and be obedient like they were. I wasn't willing to get up early and to stay late. I wasn't willing to put my flesh under and keep my mouth shut and even be treated not so nice and get through and do what I needed to do and get my training. See, a lot of people have had their way. And they've had their say, but it's cost them. And what I want to get into tonight, it's not only cost them, it's cost their family. It's cost their friends. And it is costing them right now dearly. And we're going to read the Bible about it. And you've got to make up your mind whether you're going to do the Bible or whether you know better. Are y'all with me now? Does the Lord know best? It's what he told us to do the best thing to do. No matter how it feels. Are all of us supposed to be diligent? Are all of us supposed to obey? Then is it okay for some of us to work hard? And some of us to obey God? And some of us to sow our seed? And some of us to be diligent? And others to just ignore God and be lazy and do nothing and be rebellious and be unwilling. And we have to take our blessing and take care of them too. Is that okay? Should we do it out of Christian love? (laughs) Well, brother, if you love me, you'll come get me out of jail for the 30th time. Well, brother, if you love, remember the Lord is merciful and you have to forgive me. You'll keep me from getting thrown out in the street. You'll keep me from losing my apartment. You'll keep me from losing my house. You'll keep me from losing my car. Never mind. 
I've had eight good jobs in the last two years and could have still had any one of them if I could have listened and taken orders. Hmm? Never mind, if I'd listened to God, wouldn't be in this place. You're supposed to help me because you're a Christian. Christians should obey the Bible. So when it comes to things like this, what does the scripture say? What do verses tell us to do? Paul said, he said, we wouldn't be chargeable to you. I would not come in and be a burden to you. I did whatever I had to do so that I was not burdensome to you. Thank God we have a source. Thank God we have a supply. We don't have to beg any man for anything. We don't have to rely on anybody. We don't have to rely on mama or daddy or brother or sister or grandpa or grandma or the government. Come on now, help me out. A man or woman that knows God and knows how to believe God is not dependent on anybody. And you ought not be satisfied with being dependent. Somebody keeps sending you money and you know they don't want to. You know they just feel sorry for you. You know they wouldn't do it if you had your own. Now anybody can get in a tough spot. But I'm talking about living like this. Year after year. And not doing what you need to do to change it. How many know that there's a lot of cases like this. Are just simply because of rebellion and laziness. They're not just victims of circumstance. They're victims of their own rebellion. Keep reading down in uh, the fourth chapter. 1 Thessalonians 4, 11. What does the Bible say? Study. Huh? (laughs) Study to have amazing experiences in the Spirit. Huh? Study so you can wow everybody with your knowledge of Greek and Hebrew. <laughs> How about this? Study to be quiet. <laughs> and study to do your own business. And to what? Work. 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 So, Mrs., that's just metaphorically. No, nah, with your own hands. Hands, work and hand. Hold up your hands. Say work. work. With my hands. My hands. Say it out loud. These hands, These hands are working hands. Are working, hands. working hands. These are not lazy, slothful hands. These are working hands. Working hands. I'm a working man, working woman, working people, working church. I got working kids. You got working grandkids? Oh, dear me, let's get these kids off the couch. Turn off that TV and put a shovel in their hand or something. I know it sounds funny, but if you don't, you are ruining their lives. You think 
that when they turn 18, they're going to flip a switch and become the amazing working man when they've done nothing and don't know how to do anything. It is so sad, so sad that diligent moms have got grown daughters, can't make a bed, don't know how to clean a bathroom, couldn't cook a meal if their life depended on it. Did you hear me? So he says, well, I had to work hard when I was growing up and I just didn't want my baby to have to do that. How bad did it hurt you to learn how to work? Has that really damaged you in life that you learned how to work? (laughs) And is it going to help them that they don't know how to work? Come on, guys. Don't. Fail to love your children enough to do for them in these areas what needs done. Oh, you ain't got to be mean. You ain't got to be cruel. But people need to learn how to do a job on time, do it right, and finish it. And no amount of crying will get them out of it. No amount of sliding around and making excuses will get them out of it. Because how many know life is that way? There are things in life, I don't care how many excuses you come up with, you either got it done or you didn't. And there ain't going to be no A for effort. You either got it done or you didn't. And if you didn't, you don't get paid. Your kids don't need to find out about that and be shocked when they're 17. They need to know it well by the time they're 5 and 10. And understand it. He said, study to be quiet. And to do your own business. And to work with your own hands. As we encouraged you. Suggested to you. He said we commanded you. To hush up that idle talk. Keep your mouth shut. And work hard. And take care of your business. We command you. (laughs) This is the Bible. Isn't it? That you walk honestly. Toward them that are without and that you may have lack of nothing. How many people, if they'd have just kept their mouth shut and showed up on time and worked like they were supposed to, nobody would be having to pay their bills. They would be in lack of nothing. Keep going, go to the second uh, Thessalonians. If you're more interested in this, just read these two little books through the next few days. It'll help you. You'll see the spirit of this all through this. Second Thessalonians, the third chapter. Now, this is the passage that so many people refer to when you start talking about these things. But I want us to look at it closely and in other translations. Second Thessalonians 3. Are you there? Yes. And 6. 3 and 6. Now, we... Encourage you. Huh? We strongly suggest. It would be good. If you know. Command. It has the word of God commanded us. To work. And be diligent. Keep our mouth shut. Take care of our business. Is this spiritual? Is this godly? Yes. We command you. Brethren. Well, you don't see that just every verse now, do you? 
We command you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Whew. This is powerful. What if tonight Paul, the apostle, showed up here in Branson at Faith Life Church? He said, I've been sent from heaven to give you a word. And he looked at you with piercing eyes and a booming voice. He said, I command you in the name of the Lord Jesus. (laughs) Would you take it seriously? (laughs) It wouldn't be any more the word of God than what we're reading right here. In fact, we'd have to judge that by this. This is the more sure word. What are we commanded in the name of Jesus? Now, this may surprise you, the next part. What are we commanded? To do what? (laughs) Some of you act like you don't know if you like this message tonight or not. I'm reading scriptures, brother. Right? What did he command us to do in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ? Withdraw yourselves from every brother that walks disorderly. Now, in a few more verses, you're going to see specifically what he's talking about includes not working. These are the famous verses that people quote, don't work, don't eat. That's the beginning of this passage. But he didn't just say you're supposed to work. What did he tell us to do? Don't run with, don't fellowship with people who are, now this word disorderly, another translation says rebellious. And, you know, I've seen good men and women get under condemnation because of misunderstanding of scripture. They said, you know, if any provide not for his own household, he's denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. And I've seen a man lose his job or a woman lose her job and just be crushed. I mean, just be They say, well, I'm worse than an infidel. No, it didn't say somebody lost their job is worse than an infidel. And you'll see as we keep going, the thing is somebody who refuses to work. These people, if they had work, they work. They're looking for work. They won't work. Well, that's not a person that's denied the faith. But he's not talking about somebody that some things happened and they had a rough moment and a rough time and, you know, who in here has been tight before financially? You've been tight, had some issues, every one of us. Who in here, the Lord helped you through other people before and you were kind of in a bad spot and you needed it. And don't you think, me too, don't you thank God for that? If you're in a tight spot and a bad spot, don't, don't. Receive condemnation just because you're going through some things. But what are we talking about? What is this talking about? What kind of people, he said, withdraw yourself from? People who refuse to work. They've got opportunities. And they won't take them. Keep reading. We command you in the name of our Lord Jesus that you withdraw yourselves. Now these are people Why would he have to tell you to withdraw yourself? These are people you are around. These are people you've been fellowshipping with. These may be some of your family. Elsewise, if somebody you never saw, he wouldn't have to tell you to withdraw yourself. 
Would this be easy? No. Would your flesh want to do this? Would they necessarily understand this? No. But are you commanded to do it? (laughs) We haven't thought about these things enough, have we? We haven't looked at them enough. I've had people even tell me and send word to me, I don't agree with you saying, you know, your family's not first. Because they've heard me say it different times. Well, if your family's first, there's only one first place. If your family is first, God is not. I know people would like it more complex than that, but that's just how it is. Family is not first. Not for the committed child of God. The needs of family and the desires of family are not supposed to be first. God is supposed to be first. And what he tells you to do is supposed to be first. Above family. Above children. Above grandchildren. Above spouse. Did you hear me? And there's a whole lot of people. A whole lot of people. I'm talking about church going folk now. They do not believe that. They don't, uh uh-uh, no, hey, now my family comes first, and I've got to do whatever it takes to take care of my family. What does that mean? What does that mean? You've got to do whatever you've got to do to take care of them. What about what the Lord tells you to do with them? A lot of folk are not even willing to hear it. They don't want to hear it. One of their kids cry out and needs something, they're going to do it. If it costs them everything they got, they're going to do it. They won't even pray about it. And that's many times why the problem is going to continue and get worse and worse until some things happen you cannot fix. And you were part of the problem because you wouldn't do what the Lord told you to do. You kept trying to fix everything. You tried to be their provider and you cannot be. You're not big enough. Did you hear me? And you actually rewarded them for rebellion. Are you listening? I've seen parents, even with little kids, I've seen parents. Their kids are pitching a temper tantrum and they go buy them something new to try to hush them up. They're rewarding rebellion. What do you think you're going to get? A lot more rebellion. You know why kids and young people keep doing this kind of stupid, rebellious stuff? Because it works. If it never got any results, they'd quit doing it. Well, the Father God is not that way. He has never, nor will He ever, give in to rebellion. And He will not reward you for ignoring Him. Hmm? And he will not bless you for being lazy and not doing what he told you to do. He will never scoop you up and go, well, I know you didn't listen to me. And I know you've been lazy. And I know you just sinned big as you could. But I love you too much not to bless you. And I just have to bless you. Not going to happen. And if you really love them, you won't do it either. 
Am I reading scriptures? Are we commanded? In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, how much stronger could you say it? I command you. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. To do what? Withdraw yourself. From every brother that walks disorderly. And not after the tradition which he received of us. What tradition? Well now, that's one reason I read you these previous scriptures. What did they see in how Paul lived when he first came until now? They saw a man who didn't ride anybody's coattail, didn't they? They saw a man who worked night and day, who preached meetings at night and made tents in the daytime, didn't they? And he went on to say, you'll see it further. He said, not because I didn't have a right for you to support me, but I needed to give you an example and show you how it's supposed to be done. Oh, can you see this? Is this important? He said that you withdraw yourself. For you yourselves know how you ought to follow us. For we behave not ourselves disorderly among you. And again, this word's also translated rebelliously. Neither did we eat any man's bread for nothing. But we wrought. Wrought means what? We worked. Somebody say we worked. We worked with labor and travail night and day that we might not be chargeable to any of you. He said, I didn't want any of you to have to pay all my bills. I didn't want to be a burden to any of you. People of faith are always like this. Now that doesn't mean you don't know how to receive. Somebody want to sow something to you and the Lord deals with them too. That's not you asking for something. That's not you pulling on them. That's not you needing anything. That's God dealing with them and they sowing a seed and you need to receive it graciously. And be thankful. He went on to say, not because we have not authority, but to make ourselves an example to you to follow us. For even when we were with you. How many of I'm still reading verse after verse here? This we commanded you. He says it again. We commanded you that if any would not work, neither should he eat. Have people practiced that verse? No, they have not. They have not. Parents gave jobs to their children to do. If they didn't do them, did they miss supper? What if you're a real Bible believer? There'd be some supper missing. Well, I'm hungry. Well, (laughs) do your job. Do your job. I'm hungry. Well, my words were not enough. Didn't make enough impression on you, apparently. So there's got to be something stronger for you to get it. Is this Bible or not? If you don't work, should not eat. Now, this is not talking about people that don't have a job. Would not work. Did you hear that phrase? Would not. Unwilling to. For we hear that there are some which walk among you disorderly. He keeps using that word. And uh, it has to do again with rebellion and with idleness. They walk among you disorderly. Working not at all. But are busybodies. Now we're going to get into this a little bit more. If you can take it. I don't know how much further we can go. 
It's gotten pretty quiet a time or two already. What do you do when you do nothing all day? Hmm? No, the answer is not nothing. People who won't work, who refuse to work, and they do no work all day, what do you do then with yourself? You're going to do something. You want me to show you what you do? All right, hold your place right here. And go over to 1 Timothy. Just a couple of pages, actually. To the 5th chapter. The Bible tells us exactly what you do when you won't work. He talks about widows and who should be supported financially and who should not. And he talks about working in verse 8. That's where the verse is. If you don't provide for your own, denied to faith. And he goes on to say in verse uh, 11, the younger widows don't take refuse. In other words, don't take them in. Don't put them on the roll to support them financially. Why? Because when they have begun to wax wanton against Christ, they will marry and they'll have damnation or condemnation because they've cast off their first faith. And withal, they learn to be idle. Somebody say idle. They're young. They're strong. They're smart. They've got energy and ability. And the church is paying all their bills. And they've got nothing to do all day. So what will they learn how to do? How to be idle and then do what else? Wander about from house to house and bother good folks that are working. Have you ever had somebody come bother you? They're doing nothing. And they think everybody's as bored as they are. And you're up to your eyes. (laughs) This is one of Phyllis's least favorite things. I can't tell you the times we've had people call us and want to talk and want to sit on the phone and talk about nothing. Yeah. Nothing. I mean nothing. <laughs> For an hour and a half and want you to act interested. And you got 49 things you were working on and another 150 that you got to get to. And because they do nothing all day, they think everybody else is as slothful as they are. (laughs) They just want to call and chat and just talk. Do you need anything? No, I just thought I'd see what you're doing. Well, we've got some stuff going on. Yeah, I'm sure you do. (laughs) Let me tell you about the weeds in my garden. Them weeds, they just keep getting bigger and bigger. Why don't you get out there and get them out? I'm not just making stuff up. He said these folks, somebody else is footing their bills. And they're young and able to work. And able to have a family. And able to be occupied. And he said, what's going to happen? They will learn how to be idle. 
and do nothing all day. But when you're doing nothing, you find stuff to do besides work. And it's bad. You wander around. Somebody say wander around. around. Is that what it said? Wandering. Wonder what are you doing? Ah, just piddling. Just piddling around. Just messing around. This wander thought I'd see what's going on over here, and then I'm gonna go over there and and bother. I mean, visit uh, so and so, and and then I'm gonna go and what? No, no, just keep reading. What else happens? Idle, wandering around, and of course, what you gonna talk about? You're not doing anything to talk about. So what are you going to talk about? You don't want to talk about you because there ain't nothing to talk about. You're not doing anything. So who are you going to talk about? Somebody else. And see, you don't feel good about yourself because you're not accomplishing anything. So you don't really want to talk about all their accomplishments. Your flesh will want to find some fault with them to make you feel better about your lazy self. Help us, Jesus. <laughs> they learn to be idle. And then what else? Wandering around from house to house. And do what? Tattlers. What's tattlers? Run, tell this one what they heard over here. Tattle. Stuff that should be private. That should not be taught. But they got to give themselves some kind of a sense of importance because they ain't doing anything. And what can I do? Well, I know something you don't know. And they said not tell anybody, so don't tell anybody. But you know. Now, I'm going to stop right here for a minute. What if they were turning in a good solid day of work somewhere there would be nothing to repent over they wouldn't be here and they wouldn't even know about that because they wouldn't have wandered over there because they were at work yesterday so they wouldn't have it to tell and they wouldn't have time to tell it anyway because they at work this is a spiritual law it's as spiritual as it gets. Hold your place here. That means you've got two places now, right? I could quote it to you, but I want you to see it with your eyes. Galatians. Did you know me teaching on this was not my idea? I did not pick this subject. I did not. And I even thought, you know, maybe I'll teach on it a couple of times or three. And it just keeps growing. And just keeps growing. And I begin to see. We've not taught on this like we should have. The Bible is saying more about this than we're saying. The Bible is stronger on this than how we've been. We're not being doers of the word. I said we're not being doers of the word. As the church. As parents. As people. As friends. In these areas. Did you find Galatians? And the sixth chapter. 
Well, no, 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 uh, five, excuse me, five, 16. I could quote it, but I want you to notice it. Galatians 5, 16 says, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. How do you keep from fulfilling the lust of the flesh? Go around going, oh, I'm not going to do the flesh. I'm not going to do the flesh. I'm not going to do, oh, I see it, but I'm not going to do it. Oh, there it is. Oh, I want it bad, but I'm not going to do it. 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 You're going to do it. It doesn't work. According to the Bible, how do you not yield to the flesh? Walk in the spirit. You're busy walking in the spirit. You won't yield to the flesh. You're busy working. You're not going to be sitting at home looking at pornography on the computer. Hmm? How many things have happened because people were so bored? They are so bored, so bored, so bored. My mom's over here. My, my little brother and I, we're growing up at home. You're off in the summer for school, you know, off of school. We never came to the house and said, Mama, I'm so bored. I'm so bored. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Never. Never. Because <laughs> she would have said, See that pile of rocks over there? Yeah, move it over there. (laughs) See that little building over there? Take it apart. Take it over there and put it back together. I mean, if we got a chance where we weren't doing anything, we just smiled and hoped nobody found out. (laughs) And it did not hurt us. Didn't hurt me at all. Thank God for it. But how many people, children, youth, adults, older people, are sitting around bored? And what happened? Here come temptation. You remember David, the man of God? Joab and all the armed forces are in the field. In the battle where he usually was. But this time. He's at home. Doing what? Nothing. Piddling around. Trying to think of something exciting. Bored. Up on top of the house. Looking around. Looking around. And ooh. He saw something. The only blot on this fine man of God's life. What if he'd have been out there in the camp going over the battle plan? Come on now. What if he'd have been out there checking the weapons, checking the strategy, talking to his generals? What if it had been work? He wouldn't have been there on top of the house. When the woman was bathing naked. He wouldn't have saw her. He wouldn't have been tempted. How many understand? When you're at work. Where the Lord told you to be. And you're at the right place. At the right time. You're not at the wrong place. At the wrong time. 
Come on, can you see this? And being lazy is opening the door to the devil. You're inviting him in. And it's a lifestyle that just progresses downward. And you get more and more idle. What do you do when you don't work? You got all this time to think about what? And to look at what? And to get involved in what? Sin. Sin. Need to be occupied. Didn't Jesus say occupy? Occupy? Occupy. Till I come. Stay with it. Are we supposed to work till he comes? We ought to show up for work every morning. And if we don't know what to do, we ought to be saying, hey, tell me what to do. I'm ready. Tell me what to do. Tell me what to do. I already finished that. Tell me what to do. Why? It's safe. I said it's safe for you. It's safe. It keeps your mind occupied. Keeps your soul occupied. Keeps your body occupied. And if you're obeying God, doing what you're supposed to do, you're walking in the Spirit. Oh, you don't have to be having a trance to walk in the Spirit. You're walking in obedience. You're walking in faith. You're walking in diligence. Like the Bible said, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. It is written. Hmm? I can't get in trouble for doing something else tonight while I'm preaching to you. I'm doing my job. I got my mind on God. I got my mind on the Bible. Here I am. But what if I knew I was supposed to be here? What if I knew I was supposed to be here? And see, in leadership, you have to watch this because the more control you get, you can do what you choose to. I could have just chosen and said, you know, I ain't preaching tonight. I'll have to study and I'm just going to goof off. That's how preachers get in trouble. I said that's how preachers get in trouble. Because what would I have been doing if I'm not here doing what I'm supposed to be? Something I wasn't supposed to be. Even if you wouldn't have called it a terrible sin, it's something I wasn't supposed to be doing. And it could lead to something else, which could lead to something else. And it might not happen next week or the next day, but it could eventually lead to something that could destroy you. Somebody say, show up for work. On time. Every day, day. it's safe. It's safe. safe. Oh my, that was point number one. (laughs) Can you take some more or not? Let me read some of this to you from these other translations. Put them up on the screen. Put the Amplified of uh, 2 Thessalonians 3 and 6. Put the Amplified up and let's all look at that. Let me read that to you. 2 Thessalonians 3 and 6. We charge you, brethren, in the name and on the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, that you withdraw and keep away from every brother, fellow believer, who is slack in the performance of duty and is disorderly, living as a shirker and not walking in accord with the traditions and instructions that you receive from us. Have we been doing that? You know why so many folk haven't been doing it? Because they're slack their self. <clears throat> Moving right along. <laughs> you don't deny it. 
uh, you yourselves know how it is necessary to imitate our example. We were not disorderly or shirking of duty when we were with you. We were not idle. Nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it. But with toil and struggle we worked night and day that we might not be a burden or impose on any of you for our support. It was not because we do not have a right to such support, but we wish to make ourselves an example for you to follow. You know, let me say something about preachers. Preachers, people do not owe you something just because you're a preacher. People do not owe you deals. They do not owe you discounts. They do not owe you favor. They do not owe you anything. And for you to act like they do is a reproach. I've talked to several businessmen who are very powerful businessmen. And some of them, they despise preachers. Because the last 200 they came across were only interested in their money. And acted like they expect, if they got involved with anything, they just assumed that they're going to pay all the bills. Why? Because you're a rich businessman. I'm a preacher. You're supposed to pay all the bills. Said who? This has brought reproach. Hasn't it? No. And it's not sowing if people didn't want to do it. Because you surprised them and sent them the bill. I know people that have done this. The man, the businessman told them he'd do part of it. So they sent them the bills for the whole thing. And acted like they were confused. That's despicable. Isn't it? Mm -mm. It's a lack of faith. And it's dishonest. Somebody said, we don't do that. We don't do that. That's one thing that has helped us, the Faith Life Church, in the community. Because we've come into thing after thing and didn't ask people and paid bills. Just come in, pay for it. Come in, take care of it. And people, some people have been shocked. You mean the church is paying for it? Well, yeah. We're rich. And some people act so shocked they're going to fall down because they think it's amazing the church can do anything except this. Say it out loud. We pay. We don't wait on others to pay. We don't expect others to pay. We take care of it. We don't wait and see if somebody else will jump in. We do it. We do it. We're able to. We're givers. We're sowers. We're glad to do it. That's the kind of people that get blessed too. Keep reading. Verse uh, 9, it was not because we don't have a right to such support. He did. But we wish to make ourselves an example for you to follow. For while we were yet with you, we gave you this rule and charge, if anyone will not work, neither let him eat. Indeed, we hear that some among you are disorderly. They're passing their lives in idleness, neglectful of duty, being busy about other people's affairs instead of their own and doing no work. Now we charge and exhort such persons as ministers in exhorting those in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, that they work in quietness and earn their own food and their own necessities. 
And as for you, brethren, do not become weary or lose heart in doing right, but continue in well-doing without weakening. If anyone in the church refuses to obey what we say in this letter, take note of that person and do not associate with him so that he may be ashamed. Should we do this or not? Do not regard him as an enemy, but simply admonish and warn him as being still a brother. There are times, friend, when you need to look at people and say no. If you don't, you're disobeying the Bible. If you don't, you're ignoring God. And see, the devil is counting on you, loving that flesh so much that you will ignore the Bible and finance rebellion. We must not finance rebellion. We must not help people disobey God. Are you with me on this, friends? We must not. People will ask you to help them miss God. They will ask you. They won't listen to God and they're in a mess, but they want you to fix it. And if you do, because they look at you with those big eyes and they pull on you and they say, Daddy, Mama, I'm hungry. They're going to put me out. You got to come get me. It's this, it's that. You better stop and you better check your heart and you better ask the Lord what he's told you to do. Because if you help finance their rebellion, you're a partner in it. And partly responsible for what's going to happen next. These are not my words. I know this is sobering. I know you've already been here a little while. Can you take a little more of this to get clear about this? Uh, There's a lot of people, no matter how clearly you said it tonight, they are not going to do it. They are not. I don't care. They know the Lord himself told them to do it. They're not going to do it. Because family is first. God is not. But if you really love God and you really love people, you'll trust him that he knows the best thing to do. I know this is serious issues, but don't we go to the word for everything? Isn't the word the answer to everything in our life? This is no different. This is no different. Let me read some scriptures to you real quickly here. Don't turn there. 1 Timothy 5.22. Lay hands suddenly on no man, neither be partaker of other men's sin. 2 John 10.10-12. If anybody comes to you and doesn't bring this doctrine, receive him not into your house. Don't bid him Godspeed. He that bids him Godspeed is partaker of his evil deeds. You just encourage somebody. To do something that's wrong, much less finance it. He said, you are a partaker of their evil deeds. Well, if it's right that if you help somebody preach the gospel, you get eternal reward for it. It's got to be the same negatively. That you help somebody get away from God and help them continue their rebellion. You're going to be responsible for that too. How many remember the Bible says rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft? 
How many would write a check every month and send it to a witchcraft association? (laughs) Huh? Is it just as bad to support rebellion financially as to support witchcraft? Have parents done this? Have grandparents done this? Have brothers and sisters done this? They knew they shouldn't have. They knew it wasn't right. But they let that child, let that grandchild, let that friend break them. Let the devil through them rob them of the increase in seed. Now let me tell you something bad. The Lord showed me this this afternoon. I hadn't even seen this. He said, parents and grandparents are taking my tithes and financing rebellion. The Bible said, don't give that which is holy to the dogs. Don't cast your pearl before swine. The tithe is holy. And everything that you have came from the Lord. He should have a say-so in what you do with it. So no matter who calls you on the phone and tells you they need this, they need that. Yeah, but it's family. How many understand? I mean millions of people just jump and run and start writing checks. They do not pray. They're ignorant of the Bible and wouldn't care if you told them. And you miss God. And you are supporting. You are enabling somebody to live an idle lifestyle. You're enabling them to do their drugs and their perversion and their sex and all that stuff. You are financing it. Oh, no, I would never do that. Well, if you'd have stayed out of it, the Lord would let them get hungry. Did you hear me? He would let them hit the bottom. Until they repented and humbled themselves and turned to him. But because of what you're doing, it may go year after year and just get worse and worse and worse. Until things happen that you can't fix. Should we support slothfulness? Should we help people be lazy? No, we should not. We have a constant stream of folks that won't help. Some of them need help, some of them don't. And early on, they asked me, well, who do we help? What do we do? Well, we're going to be led with every individual case. But the Lord showed me this real quick. He brought these scriptures to my remembrance. He said, I've already told you main things. Number one, are they working? Are they willing to work if they got a job? If not, you can't help them. I've already told you. Number two, What about their family? The Bible talks about the widows let their family help them. Where is their family? See, there's a lot of folk, their family's supposed to be doing something, but they'll hold out as long as they can, hoping somebody else will do it. Save their money. That's ugly, isn't it? Don't support slothfulness. Don't support idleness. Don't help people Miss God and run away from God and rebel against God. Don't do it. You're wasting your prosperity that God has given you. And you're hurting them. Stand up on your feet, please. Thank you, Father. Bless your holy name. Bless your holy name. Oh, thank you, Father. Lord, we worship you this evening. You are God above all. 
Oh, we worship you. 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 We worship you, Lord. We worship you. We worship you. We worship you. Hallelujah. Pray this out loud after me. Close your eyes. Be reverent. Don't say it if you don't mean it, but you should. Both mean it and say it. Say it out loud, Father God. You are my God. Number one. No one. Nothing is above you. Are more important to me. I love you. More than anybody. More than family. More than friends. More than my own life. No one is above you. I worship you. You are my God. I am willing to do what you tell me to do. No matter how I feel. No matter how others feel. I'm willing to give the last thing I've got to whoever you say. A stranger or a friend. And I'm willing no matter how much riches I have and how much I love the person. If you say don't do it, don't give it, I'm willing to obey you because you know more than I do. You're smarter than I am. You know their hearts. You know what will help and what won't. Help me to be strong. And not weak. Help me. To be led by your word. Not my emotions. Help me. To be led by your spirit. Not by my feelings. Not by pressure. Not by somebody's needs. Or desperation. Help me to be strong. And obey you. In Jesus name. Hallelujah. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.